morning. It is so good to be here with you today. Just so good to see what God is doing. Before we dive into our scripture today, I just want to celebrate one more thing and uh, invite you to be a part of it. If you were here last week, you were probably introduced to some people with bright yellow vests on. And uh, you'll see some of them around today and in all the weeks to come. Anybody, I, I see a few prayer team people here today. You want to just stand up, let people see? Yeah, there'll be people with these yellow vests around. They look like first responders, don't they? And they are first responders. Yes, thank you. You can sit down. They really are first responders. They are our first responders for prayer, for anybody who needs prayer. We have a, a designated prayer room right back there. You can get to from here or from out in the hallway where there will be someone to meet with you and pray with you after each service. But anytime you see someone in one of these vests, whether it's during worship, before, after, out in the gallery, wherever, and if you have something on your heart that you would like prayer for, just ask. They are ready and willing to respond. So I am so grateful, so grateful for them and for all of you who I know pray. Many people who don't have the vests on are really people of prayer. So thank you for that. That's so important. Well, let's, uh, let's turn to Psalm 126 this morning. Psalm 126. I was pondering what to uh, prepare a message about this morning. And I've always loved this psalm. This psalm is like just a perfect, a perfect story of past, present, and future about our lives of faith. So uh, I thought I could bring it before you today and we could dig into it together and hopefully you can see too just what a beautiful an encouraging piece of God's word this is. Psalm 126. It's a psalm of ascents. When the Lord returned the fortunes of Zion, restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. God, thank you for your word. Shine your light, the light of your Holy Spirit, into our minds and hearts this morning so that we can really hear your voice. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Bill and I just got back from spending some time with my family in New Hampshire. We uh, had a, a good time of rest and relaxation and fun and a lot of swimming and eating ice cream and playing mini golf and all those good things that summer vacation can hold. 
One of the really special things that we did this vacation was to gather with a whole bunch of my mom's side of the family. My parents live in the house that my mom grew up in. That was my grandparents' house uh, when I was a child. And it was always the center of the whole extended family activity. You, you may have a house in your family like that as well, where all the Thanksgiving celebrations happen, where the birthday parties happen, where there's always a lot of love and family fun. Well, that house continues to be that way. And uh, this summer, although they're no longer living, my grandparents who lived in that house would both be turning 100. So we decided to have a great big 100th birthday party for them. All my aunts and uncles came, a whole bunch of my cousins, and we just sat around in a big circle in the backyard and told stories for the longest time. Told stories about things that made us laugh about them, things that we particularly remembered, food that Grammy used to make, or funny things that Grandpa used to do. Those times of remembering the family stories, so important, so precious. I stopped and thought at one point, I don't know how many more times this will happen with this generation, but this is really precious. I was so glad we did that. Those, those precious stories to tell, they're really important, aren't they? Every family has them. Your family has them. Every, every group has them. Our church has them as well. Highlights of our family histories, things that make us laugh, things that make us say, remember the time when, and finish the story. Here in Psalm 126, we get to sit with the family of God as they sit around and tell those stories. You can almost picture sitting around in a big circle on the lawn with God's people as they start to tell this story. Look at Psalm 126. Open up to it again if you closed your Bibles. We're going to kind of walk our way through it this morning. Psalm 126 starts out by saying, basically, remember the time when, remember what God did when God, the Lord, brought, restored the fortunes of Zion. We were like those who dreamed. Remember the time when God changed everything for us. God's people are saying here. Some of the older translations say when God, the Lord brought back the captives to Zion. But it's probably better translated uh, the way it is in the NIV here. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. When God restored or, or rescued his people. And they had a lot of stories to tell, starting way back with Abraham and Sarah and leading them to a new home, letting God's people free out of slavery in Egypt, and then defeating their enemies, Goliath and the Philistines, and so many times when life seemed about to fall apart or already had fallen apart, and God reached out and restored his people again, brought things back to life. That's what they're celebrating here. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. One of those great family stories. Remember when? Every family has those to celebrate. 
We've been celebrating a little bit already this morning. We have a rich history here with Royal Family Kids Camp, ministering to abused and neglected kids. We just finished Vacation Bible School, and God did some amazing things there. We had about 200 different kids here this week for Vacation Bible School. That's amazing. We averaged 160 kids each day. And a lot of lives were touched. One of the projects that the, the children worked on was raising money to buy Bibles in the Thai language, to go to Thailand. And the big goal was to get, I think, $500. And you know how much they raised? $1,153 for Thai Bibles. And then we realized some of our kids here don't have Bibles either, so we gathered some Bibles together, quickly purchased some, and gave away about 30 Bibles to the kids here at VBS who didn't have them. So now they have their own Bibles as well. Amazing. We had more volunteers than I could count. If you helped out in any way with Vacation Bible School this week, thank you so much. And you all need to know that 52 kids gave their lives to Christ for the first time. Amen. 52. Wow. <laughs> the Lord has done great things for us. The Lord has done great things for us. What has he done for you? We never want to forget those stories, and we want to retell them over and over again about what the Lord has done. The Lord has done great things. One of the great privileges of going to a seminary at Asbury was just the other people that I got to be there with. When uh, we were there for Bill's doctoral year, we got to meet some doctoral students from all over the world. One of them was Jessie, a woman from China. She was training house church pastors in China in secret because although some government churches are allowed in China, house churches are very strictly controlled. And Jessie told us a story about one time when she was meeting with a group of house church pastors. They were supposed to be meeting in secret, but someone had found them out. And some government officials were on the way to come and arrest her and take her to prison because she was not supposed to be meeting with these pastors and training them. And as these officials made their way up to the village where she was meeting with these pastors, a huge snowstorm came between her and them and totally blocked their path. And they finally gave up and went home and left her free. The Lord has done great things. Psalm 126 says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. You know what they're saying, right? They're like, it was too good to be true. Pinch me. I must be dreaming. This is too good to be true. What God did for them was amazing. It was like Ephesians 3.20 says, far more abundantly than all we ask or think. That's the kind of God we serve. God's people here in, in Psalm 126 
were like the church members who met at Mary's house in Acts chapter 12 to pray for Peter's deliverance from prison. And while they're praying, the Lord answered with a miracle, and here comes Peter, and he knocks at the door. And a servant girl named Rhoda comes and answers the door, and she sees that it's Peter, and she's so surprised she just shuts the door again and goes and tells the people praying, Peter's at the door. And they're like, oh, no, (laughs) you must be dreaming. And then she insists over and over again, no, no, Peter, we've been praying for him to get out of prison. He's here. He's at the door. And they say, it must be his angel. And then she finally convinces them and goes and answers the door, and there's Peter. They couldn't believe it. Verse 16 of, uh, of Acts 12 says, they were astonished. God specializes in doing far more than we could ask or imagine. God specializes in astonishing us. He makes us think, am I dreaming? Did he really do that? Did the children of Israel ever imagine that the Red Sea would be a path for deliverance? Did Mary and Martha ever imagine that their brother Lazarus would live again before the final resurrection? There's an old hymn by William Cowper that says, sometimes a light surprises the Christian while he sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. What's something that you remember God doing that just amazed you? Sometime when you remember God's mercy or love or power just showing up in your life, something that you can say, that was a God sighting. Only God could have done that. Or sometime when you knew you were particularly blessed Maybe when you got that job you were praying for or when you finally walked away from that addiction or when that baby was born. We all have times in our lives when we can look back and say, I was so blessed at that moment that God did that for me. We have times when we look back on as particularly blessed, as individuals, as families, as as churches, In our marriages, in our communities, we have those seasons that we never want to forget when God really blessed us. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. When God does something for us, we should laugh sometimes. When God shows up in our lives, we should be filled with joy. That's what happened with Sarah in Genesis 18. God comes to Abraham in the form of a man and tells Abraham, you're going to have a child. You and Sarah are going to have a baby. And even though you're you're way too old for this, and Sarah overhears it and she laughs. She's like, no, no way. I'm way too old. And then the Lord confronts her and rebukes her and Abraham and says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And sure enough, in Genesis 21, Sarah gives birth to a son. And they name him Jacob, which means laughter. Laughter. And Sarah says in uh, Genesis 21:6, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears 
will laugh over me. Sometimes when God does something, we just have to laugh with joy. Who could ever have planned that? But nothing's too hard for God. Our mouths were filled with laughter, verse 2 says, and our songs with tongues of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the outsiders, the people who don't even know God or belong to God, it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Even our neighbors notice and give God credit when we let him do stuff in our lives, when we rejoice over what God has done and how great God is. Even our neighbors notice. And then verse 3, they seem to stop, step back and reflect and say again, yes, not just our neighbors notice, but we notice again, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. The Lord did it. The Lord has done great things. Not us, not, not human effort. The Lord is the one who turns dreams into reality. I love that little verse, Psalm 126.3. That, that was the verse that Bill and I chose for our wedding theme. So that was on our wedding bulletins and used in our service. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. And we've come back to that verse over and over again as a way of saying, you know, we've got to remember how good God is. It is so good to stop and remember the goodness of God God has done great things for us, and we rejoice. So then we get to the middle of the psalm. We get through verses 1, 2, and 3, and then verse 4 seems to take a giant turn, a giant left turn or a giant switchback, and the mood changes. You can almost hear a big sigh. In verse 4, restore our fortunes, Lord. Restore our fortunes like, dream, like, like streams in the Negev. He's saying, yeah, the Lord has done great things for us, but things have changed. We've taken a big turn in another direction. The psalmist seems to be praying, Lord, you restored our fortunes. That's verse 1. Restore our fortunes again. That's verse 4. He's saying, do it again, Lord. What do you do when it feels like your best days might be behind you? What do you do when it feels like all those memories of what God did seem to just be in the rearview mirror? The psalm tells us in a word, pray. Pray. He says, verse 4, restore our fortunes, Lord. That's the only prayer request in this whole psalm. The psalmist is saying, Lord, you've done it for us before. Please do it again. Please do it again. He prays for restoration after restoration. The Lord has brought them back from suffering and from disaster before, and now they're asking for God to do it again. The great preacher H.B. Charles says, this is the reality of life. 
There will be times when you need restoration after restoration. You will need God to deliver you to something after he's delivered you from something. You will need, he will, you will need God to bring you to a new season after he has brought you into a new year. You will need God to do it again. But the good news is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forevermore. The one who restored you in the past is able to do it again. So this is the prayer. Restore our fortunes, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Like streams in the Negev, they say. Like streams in the Negev. The Negev is a dry desert place in the Sinai Peninsula. Yeah, there it is. Nice and dry. The word Negev actually literally means dry. <laughs> it's a desert place. It's life in the desert. It's dry. It's hard. We just sang about that, didn't we? Blessed be your name when I walk through the desert place, when I'm found in the wilderness. Seasons of our lives are like that. Sometimes things get really dry. And we wonder, are the best days behind us? Is God done blessing me? Have I blown my chances and messed up so bad that God can't even ever make me happy again? Is there hope for the future? Have God's promises run out for me even though they seem to apply to other people still? Have they run out for me or for us? Is it just a downhill slide from here? Sometimes it can seem that way in our job or in our church even, in our marriage. We hear that kind of talk a lot about our country, don't we? We wonder, God, where is all the joy I used to have? This is a good prayer, isn't it? Do it again, Lord. Restore our fortunes. Do it again, Lord. Would you pray that prayer with me right now? Do it again, Lord. Let's say it again. Do it again, Lord. That's a good prayer. That's saying, God, don't let our best days be behind us. Do it again, Lord. Send water in the desert. That's what this prayer is asking. Do it again, Lord. Restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. Send water to this desert. In the, in the desert, you know how it works. It's dry for most of the year. And then in the winter, all of a sudden, there'll be a rainstorm. And when it rains in the desert, it can rain really hard. It can rain like four inches in 15 minutes. That's a lot of rain fast. And it can cause a flash flood. In the desert, the, the water can't soak in very well. And so when the rains come, they just fill up these gullies with water and fill them right up. That's what happened uh, in the lower Antelope Canyon in northern Arizona in August of 1997. Eleven hikers were caught in a flash flood and lost their lives. This flood that filled a narrow canyon with water and filled it up to 50 feet deep. The hikers didn't even recognize the flood danger because the storm that caused the flood was miles away. They never even knew it was coming. Well, that's a tragic story, but it illustrates the power 
of flash flood, the, the, the power of streams in the desert. Well, streams are not like little trickles. They're like a big flash flood. That's how God works sometimes. Fast, powerful, all God. Something we say we could never have made that happen. Some of you back in the 70s might remember uh, that book, The Cross and the Switchblade by David Wilkerson. I think I had the comic book version of it, actually. Did you have the comic book version, too? (laughs) It was about... uh, David Wilkerson's journey from the streets of New York City to finding Christ. Well, he wrote a book later called Beyond the Cross and the Switchblade. And he talks about the ministry that he started, Teen Challenge, which helps kids get out of drugs and alcohol. And uh, he tells about a time when they needed $15,000 at Teen Challenge for a new heating system. And so they gathered to pray about it, and they prayed and prayed and prayed. And after several days, in the mail came a check for $100. All right, $100 is great, but they need $15,000. So they kind of settle in and go, okay, this is going to be a long journey. $100 at a time to $15,000. A few days later, they got another check for $14,900. A flash flood. They contacted the donor and said, what made you decide to give $14,900? And the donor said, well, I was writing out the check for $14,000, but I just kept hearing the number $14,900 in my head, so I figured that's what God wanted me to do, so that's what I did. (laughs) Sometimes God just... Boom, hits us with a flash flood, restores our fortunes so fast and so powerfully. Only God could have done that. And then sometimes he works slowly, and he works hand in hand with us. Look what the rest of this prayer is. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev, flash floods. And then it moves to a different image, the image of planting and waiting for harvest. Those who sow with tears, verse 5 says, will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Sometimes our work with God is slow and with our tears. And it's hard work planting seeds One at a time. So often we sow with tears, don't we? So often the things that we really give our lives to take a long time to grow. You invest yourself, your time, your money, your work, all sorts of things in the lives of others. And it's very much like taking precious seeds and burying them in the dirt and then waiting. Planting seeds is an act of hope. It's the past that that anchors us solidly enough to know that what we can expect of God in the future. Because really hope, Christian hope, is not wishing for a better tomorrow. It's not nostalgic, longing for a return of the good old days. Really hope is looking at God and understanding God. If we understand 
God's habits and God's heart as shown in years gone by. Then we know what to look for in the future and what to ask for and what realistically God can do. We find out who God is. This psalm really gets at the nature of God, that God is a God who makes seeds grow. Remember that great image from from, uh, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11? It talks about how God's people were reduced to nothing but a stump. They'd been a great, big, glorious tree, but through their disobedience, year after year after year, things had fallen apart, and finally the Babylonians had come and cut that tree right off and taken it away. And there were the Israelites, left with nothing but a stump. But then in Isaiah 11:1, 1, it says, a shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse. God is the God who makes even dry, old, dead stumps grow. God is a God who makes seeds that we plant grow. That's why I love this psalm so much, because it tells us to face the future with confidence. Look back. Look back at what God has done. Do it again, Lord. And isn't it interesting that this psalm doesn't say the tears will be sent away, exported to some faraway place, and then joy will arrive. It says, no, those who sow with tears will reap with shouts of joy. Somehow the tears grow the harvest. Joy grows out of sorrow. The sadness is what births the laughter. It's like what Jesus said in John 12, 24. He said, unless... A grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies. It remains just a single grain, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. The harvest comes, the psalm says, because God loves restoring. Restore our fortunes, God. That's his specialty. That is God's specialty. Remember, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That is a promise. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's God's specialty. The seeds we plant in faith, God makes them grow. Nothing we do out of faithfulness to God or obedience to God is ever wasted. We pray and we wait we teach Sunday school, or we lead a small group, we parent, we care for aging parents, we forgive, and maybe are rejected anyway. We work faithfully in our corner of the garden that God has given us, and sometimes we wait a long time for the harvest. We sow with tears. We wonder if we'll ever see anything grow, but God's specialty is making seeds grow. Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. That's a good word. This psalm is what inspired the writing of that old hymn, Bringing in the Sheaves. Remember that? 
bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. That song, that, that song talks about how we sow in the morning and we sow in the evening and it goes on and on and we weep, but someday we will come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, do it again, Lord. Do it again. Those family stories, those God stories, are how we face the future with confidence because they tell us again and again who God is and that he specializes in restoring. What do you want to say? Do it again, Lord, over in your life. What seeds are you weeping over, waiting for them to grow? Can you give God your fears and trust that in his good time, he will make things grow that maybe you haven't even asked for or imagined yet? Something that will maybe astonish you and make you laugh with joy? Can you entrust the waiting and the weeping into God's hands? What kind of a God do you think we have? This psalm reminds us, we have a God who restores. We have a God who restores. Maybe we're called to be dreamers. Maybe that's what Christians are especially called to be, dreamers, people who can face the future with dreams of hope, people who can be wise about the realities of the world that we live in but never give in to the pessimism and the hopelessness that we see all around us, people who can say, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That's what it means to be a dreamer. The Mountain Valley Cathedral in a remote Swiss village was one of the most beautiful churches in the region, the story says. One of the features that attracted so many people to this cathedral was a beautiful pipe organ. People would come from miles away to hear this organ play, but one, one day the organ fell silent. Musicians and experts from around the world tried to repair it, but no one succeeded. And then one day an old man appeared and asked for permission to try and fix the organ. After working on it for several days, the community was once again filled with glorious music. Farmers dropped their plows, merchants closed their stores, and everyone stopped what they are doing and headed for the church. When the old man finished playing, someone asked him, how did you know how to fix this organ? And he answered, I was the one who built this organ 50 years ago. I created it. Now I have restored it. That's the kind of God we serve. Specializes in restoring. So to face the future with confidence, Look back. Remember what God has done. God's faithfulness is great. As we finish this morning, let's stand and let's just sing together the chorus of that song. I think enough of us know it that we can pull it off without musicians up here. 
Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Let's sing that together. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Now go. Go in the confidence of the one who goes behind you and ahead of you, the one who clears the way, God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, go with God. Amen.